Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Have you ever been given really good advice from somebody and you didn't take it and then later wish you had? One time when Joni and I <clears throat> were newly married, <clears throat> we needed to move a really big piece of furniture. A friend of mine had an old van, an old van that he said we could borrow while he was out of town. But he, remind, he reminded me that the van had a very tricky manual transmission on the steering column, and he went through the instructions to how to find all the gears. I sort of paid attention for two reasons. Because one, he had told me about this transmission before, and two, I knew how to drive a manual transmission, so I was sure I'd be fine. So Joni and I went to his apartment. We found the van in the garage right where he said it would be. We got in. Turned on the ignition, I put it in reverse and drove forward right into the ca hanging cabinets in his garage and I cracked the windshield all the way across. Remember that, Joni? Joni started crying and it was at that moment that I'd wished I'd paid much better attention to my friend's advice. Today we're going to finish Luke chapter 6 where Jesus continues to give us vital information about our lives and just like with the transmission of that van, Jesus is telling us how to go the right way instead of going the wrong way. The question is, of course, are we paying attention? Or are we just sort of listening to Jesus because, one, we've heard Jesus' words before, and two, we think we know everything we need to know so we'll be okay. As you think about that, let's pray together. Father, we... We just ask you to help us listen. Help us listen to you and take to heart every word you tell us. Remove the distractions that are on our mind or are around us. Give us ears to hear. Give us humble hearts to receive your truth. Help us realize, Jesus, that your words are the most important words in life. Bless our time now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 49, um, Pastor Drew has been doing an absolutely magnificent job taking us through the Sermon on the Mount or Sermon on the Flat Place or whatever we're calling it. One of my all-time favorite places in Scripture, and I've really been enjoying, Drew, how you're taking us through that with such heart and, and passion. Last week, uh, Drew taught us how to get the most out of reading and hearing to God's Word. Do you remember what he said? He said, when you and I read God's Word or listen to the Word of God, I need to have the mindset that God is speaking really only to me, directly to me, and you need to have the mindset that God is speaking only or directly to you. That way, we won't miss the truth God has for us because we think God is talking to somebody else, like our spouse or the person over there or the person over there. Pastor Drew also helped us understand Jesus' advice about how to deal with the flaws of other people. The best way to see other people change is to change ourselves first. After we address our own flaws, we'll be able to see the other person in a whole new way. And then we'll be able to help them in a loving, patient, gentle, and godly way. And then Pastor Dew helped us understand Jesus' advice about being very careful about who we follow. We don't want to be misled. So we need good discernment. 
We need really good discernment to recognize leaders and fellow travelers who are truly following Jesus and therefore are on the right path. How do we get good discernment? How do we get good godly discernment? Jesus will tell us in our passage today. Last week, Jesus showed us the foolishness of being judgmental. Today, Jesus will show us the wisdom, the wisdom of being observant. There's an important difference between being judgmental and being observant. When we're judgmental, our negative outlook only sees the worst in people. When we're observant, our unbiased outlook helps us see people for who they really are. Let's read the first part of our passage. We're just going to read verses 43 to 45 in Luke chapter 6. And Jesus says, For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Jesus says, just like with trees, people reveal who they are by the fruit they produce. When Jesus talks about fruit, He's talking about the outcome or the result of what's in a person's heart. It's called fruit because it's the natural outgrowth of a person's true character. What we see on the outside helps us understand what's going on in the inside. Fruit is the outward expression of a person's true character. Many years ago, I made my living directing car commercials. And I spent a lot of time in various parts of America scouting for the perfect road to film the styling and uh, performance of all kinds of cars, trucks, and SUVs. And one time, I think we were in Oklahoma, and our location scout brought us to this beautiful country road that meandered through miles of panoramic orchards. I didn't know what kind of trees they were until I walked into one of the orchards, and I saw walnuts on the ground, and walnuts up in the tree. And do you know what I concluded? These are walnut trees. Yes, I'm that insightful. Then when I tasted these delicious, fresh walnuts, I further concluded that this orchard is full of good walnut trees. Before I entered the orchard, someone on the production crew said they were almond trees. And then somebody else on the crew guessed they were some other kind of tree. But once I saw the fruit, I knew the truth. Jesus says it's the same with people. People can claim to be anything. But if we want to know who people truly are, we just need to observe their fruit. It's like the old saying, you've probably heard, actions speak louder than words. We are what we do. Jesus said in verse 44, Each tree is known by its own fruit, for men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. This is one of my favorite passages because it reminds me of the most unusual orange tree I've ever seen in my life. This orange tree happened to grow in Joni's backyard when she and I were dating in high school. When you looked at the fruit growing on this orange tree, You saw oranges. You saw oranges growing there, but then you also saw apples growing on the tree. 
and you saw pears and grapes and bananas growing on the tree because Joni and her mom liked to decorate the tree with plastic fruit. <laughs> it was really fun to look at. It was really clever. But this tree always reminds me of Jesus' words where he says, you will know a tree by its fruit. <clears throat> Joni's tree was an orange tree, but you had to look closely because it was wearing multi-fruit makeup. And sometimes, sometimes don't we do this too? Sometimes don't we decorate ourselves with artificial fruit because we want people to think we're someone we're not? Or sometimes do we put decorative fruit on other people because we want to believe they are someone that they're not? Plastic fruit doesn't change what the tree really is. <clears throat> Brings up the question, how do we know what someone truly believes? How do we know what we truly believe? There's an important principle that we should look at. We don't believe something by saying we believe it. We don't believe something by saying we believe it, and we don't believe something by believing we believe it. We believe something when we act, when we act as if it were true. We take action. For example, if we believe our doctor is right about our condition, we will act on that belief and we will do what the doctor tells us to do. Likewise, if we believe Jesus is God and therefore always right about our condition, we will act on that belief and actually do what Jesus tells us to do. I know none of us, even with the best of intentions, can obey Jesus all the time because our sin nature gets in the way, doesn't it? Our spirit is willing, but sometimes our flesh is just weak. But when we disobey God, we can confess our sins to him. And we can repent. And we can recognize how gracious our Lord is to give us his love and to put up with our nonsense. And then we can lock our eyes back on Jesus and continue on. The fruit or pattern of, of our lives, if we're a disciple of Christ, is to keep learning from Jesus. Just keep learning from Jesus and keep growing in our love and in our obedience to him. About, about 100 or so years ago, Gandhi went to England to study Latin and English. And while he was there, he looked closely at how Christians live their lives in England. And Gandhi said this. Gandhi said, if Christians would actually live according to their belief in the teachings of Jesus, we all would become Christians. Let me read that to you again. It, it, it kind of hurts. Gandhi said, if Christians would actually live according to their belief in the teachings of Jesus, we all would become Christians. If Gandhi came to look at how you and I live our lives, would he want to become a Christian? What about, what about the people today that are watching us? My brothers and sisters, not only are people watching us, but now we go out of our way to gather an audience. I'm talking about social media. Social media is where we put all kinds of fruit on display. Social media has become a cyber fruit stand. For those of us 
who occasionally or constantly post on social media. We need to ask ourselves, do our pictures and do our words reflect our belief in the teachings of Jesus so that others will be attracted to the Lord? Do our, the things we post reflect our belief in the teachings of Jesus so that whatever we write or whatever we, pictures we show, we are attracting other people to Jesus? I realize the purpose of social media is to draw attention to ourselves. I get that. I get that. But that's not the purpose of a disciple of Christ, is it? Our purpose as disciples is to attract attention to Jesus, not to ourselves. So please, if I may, please always pray before you post anything. <laughs> Ask the Lord to help you only post pictures and words that he's pleased with. Okay? I will stop meddling now and go back to preaching. There are other places in Scripture where we are compared to trees. Psalm, first, Psalm 1, Psalm 1 is beautiful. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. And Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8, one of my favorites. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. The fruit we produce flows from our roots. It flows out of what we store in our heart. Back in Luke 6, Jesus said in verse 45, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Our fruit reveals what's in our heart. If Jesus, feel, if Jesus fills our heart, our life will exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The more we fill our hearts with Jesus, the sweeter the sweeter our fruit becomes as we become more like him. Now Jesus is going to conclude his sermon with one of the most direct questions in the entire Bible. If you're ready to be convicted, let's read on. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. And here's the question Jesus asks. Remember, the Lord is speaking to you, not to someone else. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation 
and the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. If you are a parent, or you were a parent of young children, how many times have you said to your child, why didn't you do what I told you to do? Have you ever said those words? Why didn't you do what I told you to do? I told you the pan was hot. Why did you touch it? I told you the markers don't wash off. Why did you color your little sister? <laughs> Jesus is asking us, asking you, asking me, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Do you know what that means? Lord, Lord. That means my Lord and my God. Why do you call me my Lord and my God and not do what I say? It's a convicting question, isn't it? Jesus then gives us a picture of what obedience and disobedience looks like. He points to two construction projects. I love construction projects because my grandfather owned a construction business. He built houses. It's great. My dad was also really good with tools. My brother is really good with tools. And me, I'm good at watching people build things. That is my gift. Jesus says that we're all, all of us, you and me, we're all in the construction business. We're all building a house, and that house represents our life. And the most important thing about our house, our life, is the foundation. Jesus explains there's only two, there's only two foundations we can build on, a blessed foundation or a cursed foundation. Whoever hears and obeys Jesus is building on the blessed foundation of solid rock. But whoever hears and chooses not to obey is building on the cursed foundation of shifting sand. A lot of you remember that old hymn, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. The, The foundation impacts the entire house. When our life is founded on and built on obedience to Jesus, Our priorities and our thoughts and our actions are going to be radically different from people who do not have that foundation of obedience to Christ. C.S. Lewis said this. This is great. One of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said, when the whole world is running toward a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. Makes sense, right? Everyone's running toward the cliff. Whoever is running the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. It's true. When we devote our lives to doing what Jesus says, some people will think we're crazy. They'll think we've lost our mind because we won't think the way they think and we won't do things that they do. When our choices in life flow from our commitment to obey Jesus, we won't be interested in going with the crowd because we know what Jesus said about the crowd. Remember what Jesus said about the crowd? Matthew 7. From the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, leads to the cliff. And there are many who enter through it, but the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. The road that leads to destruction is packed full of people. That's where the crowd's going. They're heading for the cliff. Jesus' way is never the popular way. But it's always the right way. Always. In our passage, Jesus compares obedience and disobedience to two different house builders. Did you notice in what we read that Jesus does not give us any details about the house? He doesn't say if they're big or small 
or what color they are or what style they are. Jesus focuses entirely on the foundation because when the flood or storm hits, what matters is the foundation. Let's look at the foundation of rock one more time. Verses 47 to 48. Jesus says, remember, Jesus is talking to you and he's talking to me. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. In life, in life, doesn't it feel like we're always entering a storm or we're in a storm or we're coming out of a storm or we're doing all three at the same time? Does your life ever feel like that to you? Do you know why life feels like like that? Do you know why life feels that way? Life feels that way because life is that way. Jesus said, when the flood or when the storm hit, not if, but when. The the forecast for the human race is sunshine and stormy weather. The wise builder follows God's perfect blueprint. The wise builder hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice. The wise builder anchors his or her life in Jesus, the unmovable rock. Where did Jesus say the rock could be found? Where is the rock? Where did Jesus say it was? The builder had to dig deep. He had to dig deep to get to it. Do you know what this means? The fact that he had to dig deep? The builder had to invest time. He had to invest energy. He had to invest effort. The builder, in other words, was totally committed. Totally committed to finding and anchoring his life in that rock. Nowhere in Scripture does God accept a superficial or part-time or half-hearted commitment from us. And what did Jesus say about the flood or the storm? Jesus is not behaving like some of our local weather forecasters who give us a storm watch anytime a little bit of rain is coming. Jesus is talking about the real deal. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus gives us more details about the storm. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 7, verse 25. Jesus said, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The storm hit the house with a devastating force. What happened to the house built on the rock? It got really wet. It got very wet. It did not fall. The house built on the rock took the full fury of the storm and stood secure, but it got very wet. And why is that important? It's important because when you and I live in obedience to Jesus, we're going to feel the storms of life. We're going to feel them. We're going to get wet in the storms of life. We're going to feel pain sometimes. We're going to feel deep sorrow sometimes. There will be times when we're really scared or we're stressed because the storms and floods of life are real and they're dangerous and they're scary. But whatever happens... 
We don't trust our feelings. We trust the rock. We trust Jesus. So how do we get unshakable confidence in Jesus? How do we get unshakable confidence in Jesus even when we're getting slammed in the face by the storm? How do we get that confidence? Jesus says there's only one way. And that way is by listening and obeying what he says. If we want to have real peace and security in the storms of life, we must do more than just read our Bible and listen to the Word of God. We must put God's Word into practice. We must do what the Lord says to do. The more we hear and obey the Lord, the more we find His words to be absolutely faithful and true. And the more our trust and confidence in Him grows. The house built on the rock did not fall. Why? Because it could not fall. The rock, the rock held it securely in place. Notice, if you will, that the storm did not go around the house. The storm didn't come along and say, oh, oh, this, <laughs> this house belongs to a disciple of Christ. I'll just tiptoe around this place. Storm slammed full on into that house. Life storms are going to hit you and me just like they hit everybody else. The difference, the difference is how we can weather the storm when we're trusting and being obedient to Jesus, our rock. Let's read about that other foundation. In verse 49 of chapter 6, Jesus said, but, so after telling us about the man that dug deep in the rock, Jesus says, but the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. Both houses were equally hit by the same storm. The house built on the rock was unshaken. The house without any foundation was a total wreck. A life built on obedience to Jesus cannot fall. But a life built on anything else cannot stand. I want to tell you that again because I need to hear it one more time. The life built on obedience to Jesus cannot fall. But a life built on anything else isn't going to stand. We can imagine, if we use our imagination, that when the second house fell, the owner probably looked out his window and, and he saw the other house standing firm on the rock and wished he had anchored his house in the rock too, but it was too late. It's important that we understand Jesus said both builders heard his words. Both builders heard Jesus speak. Maybe they both went to church together. But one listened and obeyed the Lord. The other listened, weighed his options, and chose not to obey. If you and I had watched these two houses being built in our neighborhood, it might look like the second builder was actually the better builder. Why? He was quicker. <laughs> he made faster progress. While the first builder was digging deep and digging into the rock, 
The second guy had plenty of time to just already start hammering nails and sawing wood and putting up drywall. The second builder could make much faster progress. It's amazing how fast you can build when you don't care about the foundation. And we should realize this. Both houses looked fine. They both looked equally strong. They both had lovely landscaping, maybe. They all looked fine until the storm came. Appearances can be deceiving, can't they? Everyone is fine in the sunshine. Everyone is fine in the sunshine. The storm reveals what we're standing on. The storm reveals what we're truly depending on. Our foundation is revealed in the storms of life. When the storm hit the second house, it didn't just have some water damage. Jesus said the house immediately collapsed and the ruin was great. It reminds me of Proverbs 10.25. Great proverb says, when the whirlwind passes, when the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Wow. So as we close, let me ask you this, because it's really timely from our Lord. Have you ever thought to yourself, I can't wait for COVID to be over so I can get my life back? Has that thought crossed your mind once or twice or a hundred times? Can't wait for COVID to be over so I can get my life back. Or have you ever thought, just when I, as soon as I can get through this problem with my health or my financial situation or whatever, my life will go back to normal. You ever think about that? Jesus is telling us that we must not think about unpleasant or unexpected things as interruptions to our lives. Unpleasant and unexpected things are not interruptions of our lives. Unexpected and unpleasant things are our lives. They are. Because real life is full of all kinds of storms. The uncertainty of life and the troublesome things are precisely why our foundation is so important. Life is so unpredictable. Our foundation is vital. In our passage today, Jesus is giving us life-changing truth from God. The question is, are we giving Jesus our full attention? Are we giving him our full attention and will we do what he says? Our fantastic prayer team will be right over here at the end of this service, right after our last song together. They would love to pray with you about anything, everything, big, small, going on in your life. You need, if you need prayer, if you just want to speak with someone, have them love you and pray for you, they'll be right over here at the end of the service. Let's pray together ourselves. Let's bow our heads. Lord, please, convict our hearts. Show us, show us where we might have some plastic fruit instead of some real fruit. Show us where we are following the crowd instead of following you. Show us where we are building our lives on the wrong things, which would be anything, Lord, other than you and obedience to your word. Lord, you speak the words of eternal life. I pray we are listening to you. I pray we will obey you. I pray we will 
I'll make our obedience to you our highest priority in life. Thank you for telling us the truth about yourself and about ourselves and our circumstances. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit so we can understand and apply your words to our lives. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name, our rock, that we pray. Amen. <laughs>